This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. This week's guest is Arkansas U.S. Senator John Bozeman. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Bayer. As a company devoted to making our mission, science for a better life, a reality, Bayer takes pride in equipping growers and consumers with the tools they need to get the job done. Whether that's producing a quality harvest to feed a growing world population or protecting a beloved garden landscape from damaging pests. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Republican U.S. Senator John Bozeman next. Today's innovative technologies have led to safer, more sustainable agriculture practices that are better for our families and the world we call home. And a brighter future awaits thanks to the research and innovation that lie at the core of Bayer's commitment to agriculture and our society. We believe by relying on sound scientific principles, the industry as a whole can continue to meet the challenges posed by a rapidly growing and changing world. For more information, visit cropscience.bayer.us. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Despite the partisan pressure of an election year and a shorter congressional calendar, Arkansas U.S. Senator John Bozeman believes elected leaders are on task. I think that we are getting things done, working together. We're in the middle of the appropriations process now. Uh, for the first time in many years, these bills are starting to go to the floor uh, and being voted on. We're going to try and vote on all 12 bills so that we don't have a situation where we have these massive trillion-dollar-plus bills at the end of the year, uh, many times a couple months into the budget cycle. You can imagine uh, trying to run a business, and you don't even know what your budget is until two months after the year starts. And so we're actually getting some of those things done, and that's a good thing. It is a lot of work to do in a little time with the appropriation measures in the Senate and then to think about compromising with the House. Can it be done? No, it can be done. And, and uh, even if we have to run into a little bit of a lame duck session, uh, the majority of the work will be done. But I, I think we've got a good opportunity to get several of these bills passed. Uh, if we can get defense done and, and, and a few of the others, then that would be a good portion of the budget. So then we would be dealing with a much smaller portion of the budget uh, in some sort of an omnibus, again, where it's it's just kind of thrown together. In spending for the Department of Agriculture, are there particular areas that you're adamant that should be kept the same, uh, that maybe should be increased, or others that likely are eligible could see cuts? Well, we'll, we'll have that uh, bill come up in the near future. Uh, research is very important. You know, certainly uh, I'm committed, the committee is committed to making sure that the farm bill stays intact. Uh, we had a little bit of a run on it uh, earlier in the year. Uh, the committee in the House and the Senate, Senate stood firm. And as a result, we beat that back. And so uh, uh, this, I feel very strongly, again, the committee's Democrats and Republicans on the Ag Committee feel very strongly. This is a five-year commitment, and we are going to keep it intact. Inside the Senate Agriculture Committee, there appears to be a couple of major sticking points. So let's start with the, the legislation that would regard labeling of any food that might have an ingredient that came from ge a genetically enhanced crop. Where's the holdup? Well, the problem is, is is just reaching an agreement, and uh, uh, you know it's it's not a simple thing. Uh, to their credit, all of the government agencies tested, came over and testified before our committee and said that uh, these products are very very safe. Uh, you know, they're, they're, there's nothing wrong with them, and so I feel very strongly that uh, you know to change the labeling would not be a good thing. It would be very very expensive, uh, drive up the cost of products. 
And so we're working hard to reach a compromise and, and really have had some, some good success in that. I think this is going to go down uh, somewhat towards like the country of origin labeling. Uh, you know, it went down to the wire right before tariffs were going to be imposed. And uh, I, I think that we will reach an agreement uh, that will be good for everybody. We're not there yet, but both sides are working very hard to get there because, again, it, it really would be disruptive uh, to lots of people, drive up the cost. And uh, we talk a lot about helping the, you know, the middle class, the lower middle class, people on fixed incomes. Uh, as their food prices increase, that doesn't help anybody. There is one side that appears that wants a mandatory label on every product and others that insist that it remain a voluntary program. Is there a compromise between the two, and has Ms. Stabenow suggested ideas that might help to bring this across the line? Well, I, I, I feel very strongly that it needs to be voluntary, so I don't know that there's much you know, compromise there. Uh, but, but again, both sides are working in good faith, and I think at the end of the day we will reach a, an agreement that everybody can live with. When we think about other issues, uh, the reauthorization of the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, uh, Mr. Roberts offered uh, one particular plan, and again, Ms. Stabenow, the, the ranking member, suggested that there should be more funds for that agency, that they already have too much to do, they need additional dollars to do the job correctly. Well, I'm in an interesting situation. I'm on the Ag Committee. I'm also the chairman of the uh, Appropriations Subcommittee that has jurisdiction over them. And uh, it's not just about uh, getting more dollars. It's how she wants to make it such that the dollars are acquired. She'd like to go for, to a fee-based situation, really take them out from underneath the authority of the Appropriations Committee. And I feel very strongly that that's the is is not the direction to go. In fact, in this day and age, everybody needs uh, up here needs more accountability. This would give them less accountability. This is a day where commodity prices are volatile. Uh, we have seen tremendous swings even this spring, and the agency's oversight of who's in and how they play and how they work with one another. Very important for agriculture. It's very important. And, and when you look at the budget over the last several years, uh, the CFTC's budget has been increased dramatically, you know, during the, during those time frames. So, uh, again, we're working uh, closely with uh, uh, Ranking Member Stabenow and, and trying to reach agreement. But taking them out and making it uh, a fee-based service uh, is the wrong approach. I feel very strongly that they need to stay under the authority of the uh, Appropriations Committee. Must this be resolved in the appropriation process? It will be resolved. You know, right now we have current law, and so this is a reauthorization. So we'll continue to do things as we've done them in the past until we do something different. Inside the House appropriations, there were measures that were taken by leadership there that would prevent the USDA from implementing some points of the 2008 Farm Bill, especially with regard to, to contracts between integrators and, and livestock producers. Do you see that coming up in the uh, Senate version? I don't know if it will or not. That that is in you know in the House, and so that's a marker you know for the future. When you go to conference, we know that that it'll be there. Uh, so this is very important, and it looks like, uh, uh, you know, perhaps USDA is trying to, to reenact the controversial 2010, you know, rule that they came up with, which, which Congress rejected. 
And so at the very least, they need to come forward, uh, tell us exactly what they want to do, and then start having public comments uh, so we'll know more about this. But with poultry integrators in your state, this comes home, doesn't it? No, this is very, very important. And, and again, the, the rules that the USDA came up in 2010, which it looks like they're trying to mimic, uh, Congress rejected and was not a not a good thing. We're talking about nutrition inside the Senate Agriculture Committee, and there are those who have some very staunch uh, ideas that we should follow the lead of the First Lady uh, and that there should be uh, significant changes moving toward a health standard, and there are others who feel like we might have gone far enough. Well, you want to reach a balance, and the balance is making sure that you have good nutrition. You don't want to drive the cost up so much that the schools, in an effort to meet that, uh, uh, kids go hungry because they they can't provide as much food as they, they did in the past. Uh, and this has to do with salt and things like that. So we're you know trying to reach that balance, and uh, we have a particular uh, plan that we'd like to do in the summer. A, a bill that I sponsored that would make it such that in the summer, you know, a lot of kids are eligible for free and reduced lunch. A lot of kids are hungry uh, without those programs. All of a sudden, the summer comes, and there's not a seamless transition into the summer, and so. Uh, you know, families are faced with significant increased expenses in that regard, which they couldn't afford in the first place. And so, uh, as a result, uh, this would give the people that step forward, you know, to provide those meals a lot of flexibility. And that's really what we're aiming for. You're shouldering a tremendous responsibility uh, of all the regulations that may come. You don't want hungry kids. And were it not for those nutrition programs, some of them would not have a guarantee of uh, of at least a couple of good meals a day. No, you're exactly right. And these these uh, rules that, that I'm talking about that we're trying to change go back to the 60s. So they haven't been changed in a long, long time. One size doesn't fit all. Uh, certainly the, the needs in a very urban area compared to an area like much of Arkansas are very different. So we're trying to give flexibility, and as a result of that, uh, the studies indicate that we would be uh, feeding a lot more kids without spending, uh, you know, significantly, if any, more money. Uh, that's a good thing. Four votes short in the Senate of being able to see the legislation that would tie the hands of the EPA and implementation of the waters of the U.S. It's not the first time that a piece of legislation like that has failed. Is that the last time that you see an attempt in the Senate to tie the hands of that agency? No, there'll there'll be others, and and this is something that we have to stay after. This is the biggest land grab in U.S. history. It's all about trying to uh, control property rights uh, from, from Washington. Always in the past, uh, the courts have ruled that uh, navigable waters are under control of the United States. Now, they broaden that a little bit to having a nexus you know, to the navigable waters. But this essentially would federalize most of the water in the United States, taking the authority away from the states. And so it's something that we've, we've got to just push back. The good news is the courts have said, yeah, you know, this is crazy. You know, they've stopped it. And uh, eventually it'll wind its way to the, you know, to the Supreme Court. Uh, and it really also shows how important that the next judge on the Supreme Court is going to be. And certainly, uh, you know, I want somebody that's going to interpret the law based on uh, uh, those that wrote it rather than, uh, you know, conveniently trying to create new law, uh, you know, deemed on, on what they feel like is necessary for the times. How would the WOTUS rule, as the EPA has written it, 
How would it affect Arkansas? It would affect the whole country dramatically. Uh, and Arkansas is blessed with lots of uh, lots of streams. But you're really talking about regulating drainage ditches, uh, regulating your backyard, and so it's it's a huge deal for farmers. Uh, it's it's huge for development. Uh, if you're in a situation where you want to add on to your home and you've got a, a culvert you know, outside and it drains into that, then the idea of getting a permit from somebody in Washington is, is crazy. And so it's all about uh, uh, the federal government getting their teeth into, into how people are going to use their lands, how the nation is going to develop that resource. And that's simply not what America has been all about. Is that a congressional issue this calendar year? Or is that for another administration and another Congress? Well, we you know we simply don't have the votes to overturn the veto. We don't have the votes to you know to to get a sixty vote threshold in the in the Senate. We're very close. Uh, I think this is something. These are the kind of issues that voters are going to be looking at. Uh, in the old days, uh, when I was on the House um, uh, Water uh, Resources Subcommittee of Transportation. People wanted to do this, but but they were honest enough to try and do it legislatively, and there simply weren't the votes to do it legislatively. Now we have a very activist administration, uh, you know, an EPA that said, "Hey, you know, we've got the power to do this. We don't care about Congress," and so I hope this is something that people will be paying attention to. And again, protecting their rights, protecting their property rights, this is what this is all about. There's a lot of things perhaps this Congress should address or would want to address that may not get to. I'm hearing agriculture groups say they would really love to see uh, the Endangered Species Act to be reauthorized, to be redone. And some suggest that that's being used against agriculture. Do you see that on the radar in any time in the future? Well, it is being used against agriculture. It's being used in, in, in the same way that this Waters of the U.S. rule is, is trying to be used. Again, it's all about uh, land use. And uh, this is something that's totally out of control. Uh, and so Congress needs to push back on it. Again, sadly, right now, you know, we simply don't have the votes to sustain a change. Uh, but it is something I, I'm a member of the Environment and Public Works Committee. We've had several hearings about this. And, uh, you know, it's, it's again, just another land grab using the endangered species. They have a thing called sue and settle where the groups will come in and, and sue. And then the, the agencies, you know, are very, very friendly towards them. And so they will settle with uh, outlandish terms. And, uh, and then, you know, move forward. So all of that has to be fixed. I've seen uh, some numbers that suggest that there's over a thousand species that still have to be determined by the end of this calendar year at a huge expense to the government. Huge expense. And, and when you look at their record, uh, they're really doing a lousy job of the, the, the species that, that they have ranked as endangered. It's almost like once you get ranked, you're, you're worse off than you were before. Uh, the other problem is, I've always said, when you're dealing with any of these things, you have to use common sense and you have to use sound science. And sadly, uh, neither one of those in many of these cases are being used. A lot of noise coming now on the TPP. 
uh, and hoping that the Congress would address this at some point, the administration making its case not only here in the U.S., but also spending some time overseas recently working with trading partners to see that ratification. How important is TPP to Arkansas and to U.S. agriculture? Well, I think trade is, is really important, but, but not just you know, not just free trade, but fair trade. These agreements have to be worked out where they're good for the American worker. And so that's, that's really what we're looking at now. There's, there's lots of effort to say, you know, in different sectors that are unhappy with this, rightfully so, uh, in some cases, uh, that we need to, to tweak this, you know, to, to make it better. And that's really what's going on right now. Are you all in on this measure now? I'm, I, I would like to see it tweaked. We've got some concerns with rice and things like that in Arkansas. Uh, you know, there's, there's various other industries that are having problems with it that don't feel like it would be fair. And so I think we need to look at all of those. On the other hand, uh, you know, the, the agricultural community in Arkansas, probably 40% of the goods that are produced are being exported. And so we're constantly looking for new markets. It's so, so very important, uh, you know, that we have the new markets so that we can sell our products. You, you have to have the attitude that you've got one customer in the United States and you've got 20 customers someplace else. And uh, we need to facilitate that at all levels of business, uh, you know, from our very biggest businesses all, all the way down to the mom and pops. How do you take the political speeches of some of the leading candidates who oppose trade or certainly don't seem to support expanded trade? Well, you know, we're in a, you mentioned earlier that we're in the political season right now, and that's, that's part of it. Uh, but I agree with them in the sense that, you know, you, you don't just cut a deal. Uh, you don't just trade. You have fair trade. Uh, again, it has to be good for the American worker. And if, a, if an American worker is dis- dislocated, we need to provide the education and the means for them to, to move into a different track. But overall, you have to have the trade, uh, uh, you know, in a fair way uh, so that you can increase your markets. Increased opportunity as late with Mexico for poultry. That's important to your state. And, and obviously, a, a fair trade between two neighbors is a plus. It is important. And we ran into a deal where... Uh, recently, where the uh, Mexican government shut off poultry from Arkansas because we had a, a uh, an outbreak of avian flu, uh, that was rectified in a you know very shortly, but it took over a year to get that done, and so we worked with the rest of the delegation very very hard. We've got that now where we're back on track, but things like that really did have a very very negative consequence, and it shows the importance of of trade. But it also shows the importance of making sure that things are done fairly. Sometimes we trade, or the U.S. does trade, with people that we don't particularly agree with, with their policies, nor they with us. In the case of Iraq, they are not sufficient in their food, and they need rice. And Arkansas, as I recall, is a producer of rice. They are, and we we there for a while. You know, they were taking, uh, and they would go through the bidding process, and then they would accept a higher bid than U.S. rice. So we worked with their ambassador. We worked with our ambassador trying to get all of this settled. And here lately, we've had positive results as a result of that. I agree with you totally. You know, when you trade with people, when you trade with the Cubans or whoever, you're not only trading goods and services, you're trading ideas, you're trading values. That's how you change the world is through personal relationships. You have to be consistent. And, uh, you know, the Cubans... 
when you compare their human rights to the Chinese, the Vietnamese, the Saudi Arabians, and the list goes on and on, uh, they certainly aren't any worse. It is an election year, and everyone has an opinion. So I'll ask yours. What is this What is this decision for the White House? And what is this decision for the leadership in Congress? What's it really about this year? Well, I think it's huge. I think it's about the direction of the country. Uh, when you look at the Supreme Court judges, the next, uh, the next president is going to nominate at least one. Uh, and so that could tilt the the balance of power, you know, very much, you know, to having a very liberal court. Uh, and then again, waters of the U.S., all of those kind of things would be, you know, sustained. So it's, it's very, very important, you know, in so many different ways regarding things like that. So Senator Sanders and, and uh, Secretary Clinton have moved so far to the left. Uh, you know, Senator Sanders is talking about $18 trillion worth of Benefits everything for everybody over the next 10 years. He's also talking about $19 trillion worth of increased taxes. And so that's, that's really what at stake, you know, is, is, uh, are we going to continue with the American that we've had in the past, uh, or are we going to go to the nanny state? Uh, and as he said, as Senator Sanders said, look to Denmark and Sweden for the answers. I don't think so. Senator Bozeman, we want to thank you again for taking time to spend with us here on the Open Mic. It's Open Mic, and, sir, you have an open forum. Well, thank you so much, as always, for having me. It's a real honor. Our thanks to Arkansas U.S. Senator John Bozeman, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Bayer. As a company devoted to making our mission, Science for a Better Life, a reality. Bayer takes pride in equipping growers and consumers with the tools they need to get the job done, whether that's producing a quality harvest to feed a growing world population or protecting a beloved garden landscape from damaging pests. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Alley.